and welcome to another episode of the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast, the off-season edition. Matt, I'm Scott. I'm joined by Matthew. How are you going, Matthew? I'm good. I'm sitting here for beer and ready to talk about the Bulldogs. How are you? I'm good. Not as good as you by the sounds of it. You're living the dream where you are yeah. drinking a beer. I um, had to de- delay the recording of this podcast 20 minutes just so the beer would get cold in the freezer. That's good to know. That's good to know why you... <laughs> Shafted me, shafted me. I've been sitting here for twenty minutes waiting for it. I had a cold Milo, if that's near a beer, if that counts. No, but it doesn't matter what we've had. I don't think the people listen to the podcast to see what you're drinking. Maybe they might want to know what type of beer you're drinking. Uh, Corona today. Corona today. Okay, but apart from that, I don't think they. I don't think they care about my cold Milo. I think they care about what's happening at Belmore. Yeah, well, before we jump into what's happening at Belmore, I actually got a podcast recommendation this week. Did from you? The, uh, from the back of an Instagram post by Trent Hodkinson, I listened to a podcast that's hosted by Justin Horrow. It's only six episodes in. Uh, it's called The Horoscope. Nice, nice little uh, name there, that I thought, anyway. Yeah, um, I, I appreciate that, The Horoscope. And, uh, yeah, it's I've listened to two episodes so far. Um, Hodgkinson won for any Bulldogs fans. It'll be interesting. Um, it's kind of a bit different to most rugby league podcasts. Horro sits with an ex-player and talks about their career for about 20 minutes, and then uh, they talk about the NFL for about 10 minutes, and then they uh, talk about uh, listeners' questions and uh, what how they think they can benefit the games. But if you're if you're a Trent Hawkinson fan, go and listen to his episode on the horoscope. There you go. I'm, I'm, that's news to me, so I'll be listening in later tonight before that. I'll be looking, searching it up. It's a good, clever name, and a massive Trent Hawkinson fan. He did make our top five halfbacks not long ago when we were going for the team lists. So it's a, yeah. a must listen, a must tune well, in. Trent Hawkinson actually has a dig at somebody in the podcast, so... Go, go cool. have a listen and see who he has a go at. But anyway. Very, very intrigued now. You sold yeah. it to me. Coming from this, the nice guy. But yeah, there you go. Anyway, Scotty, what's happening at Belmore? Well, we've got to hit the bat with two re-signing news. Dallin, when telling Zelezniak, his contract expires at the end of next season. But before a, a ball has been kicked off, he's already committed to the Bulldogs to the end of the 2020 se- 2022 season. Jesus, the year's gone quick. 2022 season, what a boost for the club. He's been absolutely amazing since coming across from Penrith. Huge news. Yeah, it's it's a, it's really awesome news, isn't it? It's, it's, it's exciting. I see him as our long-term fullback. So uh, that is really exciting news to have him along for another three seasons now, is it? Three more yeah. years. A potential, I reckon, a captain in waiting. Yeah, and a lovely little Instagram post of him announcing it as well. Uh, if you haven't, yeah. haven't read that, go back to uh, Dallin Wattelli Zalesniak's Facebook, uh, sorry, Instagram page and have a look, have a read of that post. It was very lovely. Fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. We've got to have another one, another exciting news. Lachlan Lewis, also known as the Prince of Belmore, resigns. He'll be at the Bulldogs for at least the end of 2021 season. Again, he's contract did expire at the end of next year before again a ball has been kicked off or any pre-season training he's committed to another year on top of his contract so at the end of yeah, the and, and a signing that should um, should really reinforce the Bulldogs strength in the New South Wales Cup for years to come oh big talk yeah I wasn't overly happy with this one I was happy to let him go personally I know a lot of fans disagree with that they, they like Lachlan Lewis I wasn't too fast on that one. Well, most of the comments I've seen on uh, social media um, over the last couple of days haven't been too happy with the signing. So I haven't seen too many people supporting him. Why don't we pull them up, hey? I'm going to pull up the post. We'll take a look at the four comments. One of the first comments was actually about Latrell Mitchell at fullback, which is a bit bizarre on that one. (laughs) We've got... What a fast, can't pass, can't kick, can't do anything like a half should. <laughs> but he can tackle, so let's throw money at him. WTF. That was from 2144Superman. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was, the, I think that was the, the tweet that I saw uh, 
made the most bang too, that one. Um, I, I need to look at the name before, though. 2144 Superman. Uh, 2144 burner account. Maybe it is the Luke Tomlins said building nicely. Yep. Well, so, look, if, like we're we're both um, of the opinion that there's better halves in the squad, and we'd like to see those halves been given a crack. I think we've said that multiple times. But if you are a, a Lachlan Lewis fan, um, uh, it is I guess exciting news. <laughs> Yes, uh, so a few excitements are definitely a divided one. People have different opinions on Lachlan. But we'll jump on and we'll jump on to some good news, I suppose. Jaden Ockenbaugh and Jack Cogger were over in PNG. You see a lot of Jaden Ockenbaugh's Instagram account, him hanging out with a few of the kids there, handing, handing out some three, three merch and, you know, playing a bit of doing some footy skills. I did see Jack Cogger assisting building in a. In a, I believe it was a house or a school, like he was just had the collarbone on top of his head. <laughs> so uh, Jack Cogger was doing the heavy lifting, and also with that post we did, Mr. Jack Cogger, I've just seen it in front of me, has liked the post. We gave him a bit of a compliment on Instagram. So him and Jay Nockenball headed over there doing some work with the community there, which is also good because we do play a trial there next year as well. And we've been up there a few times for a few years in a row doing little community projects. Yeah, it's a it's a great thing for anybody to give back to people who need it. Uh, it's good that the people in a position like these football players are doing so as well. And it's probably more than just more than football. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, very good stuff by the boys. But you you can see more of the uh, the details of the boys over there on the Bulldogs website. That's bulldogs.com.au from more details of Jaden Ockenborn and Jack Cogger's visits. So we have some good news with Brandon Wake for Fiji this on Saturday with a massive win over Samoa. It was a bit of a shock how the scoreline turned out to be 44-18. It was a good return for him. Yeah. Uh, incredible game he played, especially that first half. Uh, one of the reasons why Fiji was so dominant was his performance. Uh, it was good to see him back out on the field and exciting times to watch his development over the next couple of years. Yeah, he just, I mean, it's his first game in a long while. That's been like two months or so. That he didn't finish off the New South Wales Cup season due to an injury. So he wasn't playing any of the finals. He didn't feature in any of the finals or the back end of that, back of the New South Wales Cup season. So for him to just return for Fiji and look like he hasn't missed a beat, I thought he might have struggled a little bit, but I was wrong. And what a win by Fiji anyway. 44-18 over summer. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw a victory for Fiji of that extent coming, did they? Um, although, oh, watching, watching the game, beforehand, I really expected Samoa to win. And then watching it, I was like, why did I think Samoa would win um, comfortably? Like, I thought, not when I say comfortably, I don't mean by 20 points, but I mean, like, that they had, it was their game to win. I don't know why I thought... It was their game to win. When you look back and see what Fiji have done over the last couple of years, and Fiji very rarely get the credit for what they've achieved due to um, Tonga achieving a little bit more. But Fiji is the next, um, the next big Pacific island in rugby league for sure. Yeah, that was. I did tip them. I didn't think they'll win by that much, but it was definitely an incredible first half. It's- a little bit disappointed for any of the Samoan fans out there. But uh, we'll roll on to some bad news on the weekend out of the internationals. And it was Kieran Foran. He played his first game for New Zealand in two years or so. And he's dislocated the shoulder. He needs shoulder reconstruction surgery. And he's going to be out for a minimum of six months. Yeah. Poor. Poor Foran, eh? It's just uh, every turn he takes. Uh, just does just not working out for him. Um, yeah, first game since 2017 for the Kiwis, and he lasted six minutes to succumb to a dislocated shoulder. It, it wasn't good it, when you heard about it first. When you saw it first, and then they, you heard the reports from when watching the game, that was suggesting straight away they were finding it very hard to get it back into place. And they were struggling yeah. big time. Uh, so that was very disappointing. And you knew then that it, I, well, I knew that, I thought then that this was going to be the long case scenario. And it's a minimum of six months. Plus, he's going to miss a bit of preseason. So, it, me just being outside looking in, it depends on the surgery and how he recovers from the surgery, if there's any post op uh, 
I suppose, uh, post-op affections or anything like that, or post-op mishaps would depend well, on how long you come back. But he could be even out a bit longer with a bit of fitness as well, assuming he's going to miss the entire preseason. Yeah, well, um, hopefully there is no infection after we've seen what happened to the shoulder of Sam Burgess after some surgery. You don't want to see that to happen to anyone again. Um, yeah, you feel for the guy, don't you? Obviously, yeah. it's possible if he misses, if after surgery he's going to miss 12 games, the dogs will get some sort of salary cap relief from the NRL, um, or we can apply for that, so that would be interesting as well. I can't see him, like, I mean, they've talked about possibly around five returns in yeah. six months. I can't see him coming in the first 10 rounds, to be honest, just because of he's going to be so underdone when it comes to the fitness side of things that he's going to be well, I have a little bit out of shape. I have an interesting question I don't know the answer to. Does the NRL 9s count as games? Like they've put the prize money up and to make the yeah, uh, they the clubs take it seriously and all that sort of thing. So surely yeah. uh, those games should count, count as well. Or something, yeah. But be, uh, I don't know. I just before Kieran, I just can't see him return returning as early as round five. I'd be very shocked. I know he he does everything in his power and he takes the rehab group very seriously. But just with that injury and then missing the entire preseason, that's such a big training. The off-season and pre-season training, that's such a big fitness-focused training. Yeah. And he'd be what? missing majority of that, and he'd be by himself doing little things. We, so might, have our, to... we might have our first player remission from the round one polling that's going to be coming up shortly. Well, yeah, he's going to have a cross for him. And yeah, it's coming up very shortly, or the fullback one is. But anyway, we'll move on to an interesting one. Uh, Latrell Mitchell... Is he coming? Is he staying? Have the Bullets pulled the offer? Have they put another offer out? It just feels like every 10 minutes a new story is coming out. Yeah. In particular him. Yeah, I think there might be a bit of um, different fractions of the club telling the media different things. Um, I'm not going to say any of the journalists are lying or guessing or anything like that, but it seems to me that some part of the club is um, release, releasing information saying that we will sign him for a million dollars a year, that's our offer, and there's another part of the club saying we're not going to pay that much. So I think that's why you ending up with the mixed reports. Um, but yeah, so hopefully that's not the case, but uh, that's the way I'm reading it at the moment. Uh, it's not hard for you to go back through the articles and find out what, uh, what two groups I'm talking about if you want to do that. So who just to, just a quick summary before we continue with the what's happening at Bill. Would you take them in a million dollars? Latrell, I would, yeah, definitely. See, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even have a bar of him at eight hundred. I think eight hundred is the overs for him at the moment. No, I'd have him playing a um, million dollars at five eight. I would have him at center, pushing six fifty seven hundred at max. Well, if you have him at center, you're not going to pay a million dollars. But I don't think. Any club he's going to go to are going to play a superstar like him at centre. He's the type of player that needs the ball in his hands a lot for him to do superstar things, and he goes missing in games when the ball doesn't come to him. So he's not the type of player to go in looking for it, but if you throw him into a position where he doesn't have a choice and the ball's always going into his hands, that's going to benefit your team more times than not. The more I read about him, the more I'm not liking, so I don't know. I wouldn't maybe take the risk, me personally. Maybe, but um, can't believe everything you read. That's yeah, I know. Saying. Yeah, but that, his the, problem, the problem with that is um, all the talk about Latrell is coming from one side at the moment. And there's, mm. there's been no defence and no other side of the story. Uh, and that's why I'm very reluctant to uh, make a judgement on him based off... Uh, what we're getting in the media at the moment, which is one side of the story. Does his value drop after the very, very, very poor performance against Tonga? No, I, I, don't, I, I don't think so. Okay, fair enough. We'll, I think we'll like, on to... put it this, put it this oh, way. How many continue. 21-year-olds have won two premierships, uh, won a state of origin and represented their country? Like, and he's, I think a lot of people forget how young he is. He's 21. We're not talking about a 25-year-old seasoned professional. He's got a long way to go. And if he signs three years, um, he could go from that. 
young star that has all this talent to uh, a genuine superstar. So, yeah, I mean, that's a fair argument, but I still, I don't know, I don't think he's worth a million just yet. I think he needs to realise that being that young, he can get towards the million towards when he's in his mid-twenties. Well, the thing is with Latrell, he's said publicly that he wants to be retired at age 30 um, and not put his body through the rigours of elite rugby league into his 30s. So that's obviously why he's trying to get as much money yeah, as well, he can uh, before I can, understand, yeah, I can understand uh, that. But... Especially when you've seen what's happened to some players in their early 30s playing recently. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a moot point anyway. I, I expect him to either somehow appear at South or uh, maybe North Queensland. Possibly West Times. But we'll move on to Corey Harianaira scored... Uh, a very good try, a very good back rowers try against Great Britain. It was his first try for New Zealand in his second game. Yes. Uh, he went uh, beast mode. Was caught as the debut try by the uh, New Zealand commentary. <laughs> yes. That. Cause like, what, what a, what's going on here? Also, that? if you haven't watched the New Zealand Kiwis Hucker featuring how we are in Naira, Oh, yes. It. I mean, far out. He just... Lo- I have not seen... And I've seen many huckers. You know, you can back me up here, Scotty. I've been to New Zealand quite a few times. I've seen many different huckers. But I don't think I've ever seen one so passionate. Oh, he's a very passionate man about New Zealand. It's fantastic. I love watching it. I love watching the people that get... When, watching the hucker when players get really into it. So Isaac Luke was someone you think of. He yeah. was one of the best huckers. I think... I mean, you laugh at people like Jason Nightingale, how poor his one was. <laughs> how funny, like, they just fixed the mind for the wrong reasons. But, you know, like, Isaac Luke, um, he used to have the crazy eyes. Manu Vatavai used to be pretty good when he was playing for New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, but, I've had, a, I've had a, Kiwi, a Kiwi say to me recently that the New Zealand Kiwis are out huckering the All Blacks at the moment. Fair comment. Fair. Yeah. But what about the try by Corey? Let's get back to his try. <laughs> that was, was pretty... Pretty impressive try in the uh, in he a, beat in five a tight game, wasn't it? Yeah, he, it was certainly a match-winning try. I don't know. It's not surprising, though. We know Corey's talent. We know his talent, but he he went past James Graham, and he James Graham is no slouch on the line of defence. He went past Gareth Widdop. Yeah, I was on the way through. He's just sliding and turning. The referee said no try live because he said there's no possible way to get that ball to the ground. It's that many plays. <laughs> I think the referee was going by that theory. But yeah, well, he couldn't have beat those players. He had no right to beat those players, but he did. I hope I that referee. Was... Hope that referee's not refereeing the second match. <laughs> uh, he's refereeing <laughs> Great Britain twice now, and oh, all he did. He refereed the uh, Nines final too. Oh, the car felt double movement. Yeah, <laughs> Chris Kendall. Holy dooly. Um, anyway, <laughs> why don't we roll on? And massive congratulations to Will Hapawadi and Sierra Katoa. The historic win against Australia. The Tongans win against Australia at Eden Park on Saturday. We'll talk more about the game later. Hoffer's crossed for a try this time. It took everyone by shock. I think it was the biggest lose in rugby league for about six days until something else happened in another emerging part of the rugby league world. Um, but how good is it? It's fantastic. We, we want to talk more about it later because it's part of our rugby league world, the actual more of the Tongan part. But we just want to give a massive congratulations to Will Hopawadi and Sandy Katoa, our two Bulldogs players featuring in the Tongan side. But while we're on that, Sioni Katoa, well, he was on the field. How good was he? Fantastic. I, I mean, I don't think you can fault any Tongan player that game. No, but I, I think Sioni Katoa's played his best football games have been for Tonga. Not, um, overall, his whole career, his better games have been for Tonga. Um, but man, I'm excited when. Uh, he develops for a couple of more years and becomes a bit of a seasoned professional and he's going to be able to deliver those type of performances eight out of ten times. That'll be fantastic. something you, get look for, you look forward to, being a Bulldogs fan, just seeing him. If you haven't seen him before, I mean, you see, watching him play for Tonga, he just lifts another leg. Absolutely. Well, plenty of them do for Tonga, but yeah. I mean, they start, I mean there's those wins as well. They, they, the players, some of the players being Super League players and I suppose not quite playing in and out of the NRL teams. Jeez, that would uh, give them a lot of confidence for themselves, knowing they beat the best in the world. 
Yeah, I think we'll continue this conversation a bit later on in the show. But yeah. I think that concludes the longest ever version of what's happening at Belmont. It's now that time of the show we look at the top fives. And this week, it's actually locks and the interchange bench, which is an interesting one, very interesting one. But we want to bring up last week, we spoke about the props and second rowers. Uh, there were some controversial decisions, especially done by your side, I think. <laughs> I like to say. But our little uh, Courtney, who was on the show a few weeks, did the graphics for us this week, putting the... Uh, we posted on the social media pages, putting the top five props for both of us, which we had Aidan Tolman sitting in the middle of that, and the top five second rowers. We had Frank Pritchard sitting there. We had a few responses, which was really good, and I thought we could add it to the show. We're looking for things to add to the show before we jump into our locks and interchange bench players. So we're going to bring them out. Let's do it. Our first is a, uh, one of our great uh, friends of the show, uh, Mr. Ted Baxter. <laughs> He's always adding some content to our show on a regular, on a regular basis. So he said, with those decisions, you could come up with a top thirty and still come up with great props and second rows. And I think he's really highlighting. Before I continue, it was really highlighting our what we were saying last week, how we were speaking about the James Grahams and all the other players that are with me, Marco Neely, and everything like that, who didn't make my top five list. Yeah, and well, you could still we like, was... debate. We did say it was the hardest list, the hardest two lists that we've compiled so far. I was sure we could come up with a top 15 and still debate the person coming 15 could be number one. But anyway, <laughs> with both of those lists, I would still always put Jeff Robson up there in both categories because of his go forward and ball play. No room for Peter Kelly or Kevin Ryan. James uh, Pickering could have, could have been too. And then we've had uh, Matt Atard giving us his list which is a very uh, interesting list. He was, uh, Steve Price is his number one prop. James Graham is number two. Marco Mealy, Britt, and Tunks for his props. And he gave us his second rowers. He says Willie Mason, Sonny Bill Williams, Andrew Ryan, Steve Folks, and Josh Jackson. Uh, then we've oh. got a Andrew, Andrew Categorin. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I probably haven't. But anyway, he said, I can't put current players on my list. Just my silly theory. He's props of Robbo, Tunks, Britt, Price, O'Mealy. His second row is a folks, Gillespie, a Gillespie, sorry, Ryan, Mason, and Heat. It's just, it was a difficult one. All of them agreeing that the fact that you could put a top 20 pretty much, or even a top 30, what Ted said, and our forwards. We've been blessed with so many forwards in the Bulldogs. It's been our, probably our best position. But some good yeah. suggestions by us. It was good like that... Uh, was put together by Courtney to really get the discussion going on social media, and I really wanted to share some of the thoughts that some it's of good. the teams have. It's good that the feedback's been positive too, because when different people sit down to do these top five lists, it can be quite um, broad in how you decide um, who's in the top five or who's not, or who's in what position and who's not. So it, it does come down to personal tastes and personal experience and personal memories of players as well. So, um, it's been good that people have been able to have their say in a positive manner and keep the conversation going. It's fantastic. And you just from yeah, like you, the props, sometimes you just have a particular memory of that player or you just get a liking to one player and you just think of yeah. him highly, which I'm sure that some of my list, there might be a player or two where people go, really, is he really in that list? And I've gone, yeah, well, I've just got a real liking to him. That's but, right. And there's, there's other players that might have been good players that I personally don't like... Um, Stuff they've done or things they've said in the media or even the way they t- like their personality rubs you the wrong, wrong way and I've kept players off the list because of that. But that's just personal, personal taste. Well, I thought we had to share the prop ones. Yeah, just because good. of how controversial. <laughs> and your number one didn't make my top five, and it was whoa, whoa, whoa. It was interesting. Yeah. And if anyone could have made the top five, it was just fascinating. Absolutely. Is it time for our top five locks? It is our time for our top five locks, but before starting this one, you've known how quickly the locks have changed, or how like the roles changed in teams? Oh, yes. In very good point. It's one of the positions. Hooker is another one. Um, one of the positions that um, has changed quite a lot over the last three, four decades. Uh, even today, it could be used 
in different ways. Yeah, so you had your classic 5A lock. Your ball playing lock, yeah. Bit, a, bit, a lock. little bit bigger than a 5A, but had a, some really good ball playing skills. Probably the closest current day player to that is Jake Dubojevic. Yes, that's correct. I was about to actually say that, Jake Dubojevic. You have your ball playing lock. You've now you've you got your, you have your workhorse lock, who makes the tackles, tends to make the tackles, and he's not afraid to do the hard the hard stuff and assist with the forwards. You got like your yeah, middle basically third, a, assist basically prop. a third prop player. <laughs> yeah, you got a third prop. Then you've got your I suppose you call them like an you got your most skillful second row at lock who try to pop up on both sides on the edges and also in the middle got the the most offloads the ball uh, another element of ball playing a little bit more skillful yeah, than your current second more, row. Not as a quite bit more as elusive of a lock, eh? Yeah, so probably you got, like a Cameron Murray. Yeah, it's like a Cameron Murray at this current point. And then you've got your you've got your prop yeah, like we said, your prop locks. You've had the five eight ones. Then at one stage we had people like Trent Cutler play lock where you have an additional position on the field. Yeah, we had so we, like we played with outside a, back. We played with a sweeper, didn't we, for a couple of games there one season? So yeah, so I'm just saying it's a very difficult position, so the list we might have a different list to what everyone else is thinking. I'm expecting our list could be a bit different for whatever reason, well, just because of yeah. how, how different we could read yeah. it. Question without notice, Scott. Um, how do you like, if you had the choice, how would your lock play? What type of player do you want to see at lock? My, I would love a, an extra half, a bigger half body. Uh, I like Jake Tavoyevich type. Like a Jake Tavoyevich type, but I actually liked a Brayton Astor, Brett, Brad Fittler at lock. Yeah. The extra kicker, the extra passer, ball play. It takes a bit of pressure off your half in general and your hooker. And then yeah. you've got your, because you're in your 1, 6, 7, 9, and 13, up over your spine, like setting things up. You have no idea where the attack's coming from. Yeah, we played that way when we had first and then our side, didn't we? Yeah, so I like that type of thing. I've loved that, but I. Would rather the lock be either that or a very skillful back rower. Yeah. More, more inclined to do the offload, a little bit of a short ball, like a bit of Jake Javoyevich has got a little bit of an offload, but the ball playing skills, I don't like a middle like forward, like another prop. Yeah, I'd probably have to go with like a Cameron Murray type player. Yeah. Um, if it was my choice, someone that has a little bit of footwork, uh, very elusive, but uh, still a, a forward. But yeah, anyway, let's get into our top fives. Who's going first, mate? I want you to go first this week. All right, and we're doing lots first, starting at number five, as we always do. And I'm looking at your list, so <laughs> go to my so list. Go my list, please. Go back to at yours. No- at number five, I've got Glenn Hughes. Oh, Glenn Hughes at number five. Yeah. Well, I, was a Hughes, I was a massive fan of Glenn Hughes. Uh, one of my... One of my favourite players, he's just, a, he's just a dog, isn't he? And I mean that in the greatest respect. He is just a bulldog. And um, always gave 100%. And his best position was at lock. So at number five, uh, I've got Glenn Hughes. He was a bit, um, he had a bit of ball playing in him too, Scotty. He was a bit of a, an elusive forward with some ball skills. And that's the way I like my locks. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like my number five this week, I've gone with a player who's played a bit of 5'8", but uh, played a bit of lock. He's tough. He used to be our assistant coach. He actually head coach the Bulldogs for a little bit. Jim Dimmick made your list in the half. The 5'8 one. Yeah. Um, well, what do you say about Dimmick? How talented was him? Was he, sorry? And a big body as well, so could easily play 5'8 for lock. And uh, I'm just curious to see if he's made your list, just because we I tipped that he would make two lists of yours. But I have to, <laughs> well, to, wait, have to wait and see. see. Those spoilers. Not well, like I did the other day. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Anyway. Okay, number four. I've got the uncle of Glenn Hughes, Mark Hughes. The Hughes name. Yeah, the Hughes is... Uh, <laughs> it's continuing on the list, isn't it? The theme that I've gone with. Um as we talked about last week, but Mark Hughes in the 80s. Oh, take me back there, eh? <laughs> Jeez, Mark yeah, what a, is, uh, what, a, what, a, what a legend. I mean, it's hard to come up with um, 
more praises for the players that we've we've had on our list uh, throughout these throughout these different episodes. But um, another leader, another bulldog player. Uh, should, should there be Hughes Avenue at Belmore and Hughes Street and Hughes Crescent? Well, I figured just to celebrate the Hughes's, the Hughes Grandstand, maybe. Well, this is our last uh, week of uh, the top five positionals. I think maybe next week we might have to have top five users. Well, that could be interesting. <laughs> that absolutely is something I'm definitely into. I'm definitely, I'm definitely up for that one. By the way, I'll jump to my number four. He played for us more recently. I've gone a bit recent. He uh, back-to-back state championship winners. Winner. I've got this. Greg Eastwood. Wow, okay, yep, cool. Greg Eastwood. The beast. The beastwood. <laughs> the beast. I must say, Steve Allen's favourite. The MC of the Bulldogs home game, Steve Allen. He, he loves Greg Eastwood. And I agree with Steve Allen. I love him that much too, though I've got him in my top five. Fair enough. I still remember him playing as a, uh, as a winger for Brisbane. Oh, he's played many oh. positions. Swing, centre, second row. Give it a bit of 5-8. Uh, yeah, sorry, I just had to open Corona number two. Uh, but yeah, Greg Eastwood, um, it, it is prime. Well, I think that was at the Bulldogs, to be honest. Um, first couple of years at the club. He, at times, he was very hard to stop. He's like the fastest big guy, I think he was, at his prime. <laughs> he moved deceptively quickly for a big fella. Cool. Alrighty. Number three? For you, I've yeah, got... number I've got um, an elusive lock. He had some footwork. He had some pace. He was quite tough as well. Um, we've been talking about Cameron Murray quite a lot today as an example. I think he's might be the closest player we've had to a Cameron Murray. I've gone ready, Matua. Oh, the back row. He could have made any. He could have made the second row list possibly. Yeah, as well. Well, I've got him at lock. Yeah, at that's right. Fair. He was, wasn't he a, a great. Uh, a man who played many positions but playing well. He definitely fit anywhere in the back row. He could have played a little, little bit of 5-8 because of his skills, like you said. And also centre. Yeah. And what a man, too. I mean, um, he's obviously gone through some, some dark days, but um, the way he's bounced back from that and the human being that he is, what an absolute legend of a person is ready to tell yeah, he's, what's happened to him, and then here he's bounced back, like you said. What a man. I remember meeting him in, was it 2014, that year when he returned back to the Bulldogs, on top of the head? Yeah, like he yeah. He stats up there, yeah, and he just, That's what a man to talk to. Yeah. He's what a very more, nice than, man. more than welcoming, and uh, he talked about, uh, from memory, he actually went quite deep with uh, yeah. his answers, and we were just asking how he was, basically, and uh, he went quite deep, and it was good to see him open up like that, and uh, I don't know him personally, obviously, on a day-to-day basis, but uh, maybe something that he's become more comfortable with since those dark days, but um, uh, Renny Matua, pronounced Renai My Tour, uh, on Sky Sport <laughs> a million times, but anyway. <laughs> or Ray Ryan called him Matui. <laughs> Matui. <laughs> Uh, another one, I think you call him My Tour. My Tour, yeah. And okay. uh, then I remember Peter Stelling said he could be your tour if he wants to be. After <laughs> he's got to try. Who's your, number, who's your number three? My number three, he's the man who's actually played the most games at lock for the Bulldogs. Uh, Paul Langmack. Paul Langmack. Oh, what a yeah. tough, tough yeah. man. I picked him. Toughness. He's played the actual most games at lock. Another one, only 128 appearances, so we do have a, a quite a high turnover of locks. And I suppose it's because of the change of position, how it's been changed to different, different clubs and what a lock is as well. Yeah, that's right. You can put a second years. row But yeah. Or, yeah, it's good. So, yeah, so Paul Lang, mate. Yeah, it just oh. makes yeah. appearances and toughness and you know, playing a good era for the Bulldogs. I don't think there's too many bad ones, especially after the 80s. Okay, well, maybe now. But yeah, what, who is your number two? 
Travis Norton. Travis Norton. Yeah, he was the type of player. I remember watching him when he was at the club, and I was thinking, yeah, he's solid. There's not much to him, but he's a solid player. And then we lost him. And then to see what we lost when we lost him was uh, was incredible. Um, and looking back back through it now, uh, what a player. Good, he good was a kicking game as well. He was tough. He was hard. He was terrific. Yep. A terrific... Uh, one of those... You can always put a top five Queenslanders who came to Bulldogs. <laughs> like Queensland-born Bulldogs players, eh? He could... He would definitely on that. But my number two is actually a, another Queenslander, funny enough. He was one of my favourites, and he's one of my all-time favourite Bulldogs players. Uh, started in Brisbane, ended up in Canterbury, and went back to Brisbane. David Stagg, the workhorse. And number oh, yes. two. Staggy. Loved him for multiple reasons. I think he was a lock that was a, was a workhorse. Yeah. With the defensive side of things, but like you said, a very underrated passing game and late uh, late footwork a few weeks ago when we spoke about him as an old dog. Uh, Dalian Lock of the Year in two thousand and nine. He definitely when you looked at the years he came in two thousand and nine, like you look at the turnaround of the Bulldogs from two thousand eight two thousand and nine, like someone like him, ultimate professional, turned the club around a bit, and then he made the grand finals in uh, the he made the two thousand and twelve grand finals. Sorry, before leaving the the Bulldogs. Yeah. Shame he didn't get to win a grand final fast, but he did. He does walk away a grand final winner. He was a, a, a really genuine person and player. Um, he gave you a heart attack a million times when he had mop-type hair. Every time he got tackled, he, was like he got knocked out. I think he'd be off for HAA four times a match if he was playing today. Uh, he'd be totally fine, but he just looked like he was knocked out. Um <laughs> And, yeah, I have no idea why we put him on the bench towards the end of his spell with us. That was that was a bit silly, in my opinion. But anyway, I think he's one of those players. Before we move on to your number one and our my number one, he's one of those players. That I think you just want to play with every week. You know, he puts his body on the line every week. He's like a like the Aiden Tolman type of thing. You know, they just give a hundred percent. And I think when Andrew Ryan said it about Aiden Tolman, I think it revolves around like David Stagg as well. That if you look at them and you let them down, like you look at them and you can't let them down, you know that. From the moment you look at those type of players in your squad and when you're getting ready for a game, you know that he's not going to let you down, so you can't let him down because you know they do the 1%. That's right. They they hit hard, they tackle, they give everything until they've got nothing left to give. And that's the type of player he is, and that's why I put him at number two. All righty, Scotty, my number one. Let's see if you can guess it. He's a player that has already been announced on your list. I think I've got it already. Go on. Continue. I, re- I reckon you've got Jim Dimmick. No, it's Paul Langback. Ah, oh, that was my second guess. I thought Jimmy would have made the two lists. I have <laughs> no... But... No, he just misses out. He might be at number six. Um, <laughs> but Paul Langback, well, we've spoken about him a little bit uh, just a few seconds ago, so I won't go much more into it, but yeah, the number one Mount of Games play that started locked to the club, and he was a tough bugger, he was a bulldog, so I've got a poor Langback. Well, I want to you can guess this one, I'm probably guessing you can guess my number one, because well, I think you looked I've, at my list before the show. I've came. actually seen your list, yes. <laughs> okay, so then, I'm not going to let you guess then. Um, you've already mentioned him in your top five. I think you mentioned him a little lower than I think he deserves. I think he's our number one. I've gone with Travis Norton at number one. Yeah, well, two's not that far down the list. <laughs> it's far enough when it comes to Travis, in my opinion. Like you said, played in the very late 90s and early 2000s. Unfortunately, another Bulldog, when we talk about Nigel Wagner, when he came to our list in the centre list, left in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but what a player he was. Um, we might have to do these lists different in future. I feel like we get to the top players or the top of our list and um, we don't say much about them because we've already talked about them. <laughs> exactly. Especially last week when I mentioned Frank Pritchard at number five and sort of thought it was a controversial decision. You put him at number one. Number one, one yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you, put, you, you put a little toe in the water with Pritchard. I just did a whole cannonball. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But if we go back to Travis Norton for one second, like, this is the quote. He finished his career for 56% win rate. 
Yeah, he went to North Queensland after the Bulldogs. We've already spoken to him about the Bulldogs. I want to speak yeah. him as an overall player. Then he went to the Cowboys. He started turning the Cowboys around. Remember them now, the easy beats? Yeah, that was really the start of what turned the Cowboys into a premiership force later down the track. Yeah, was, I think but those those uh, character building years with quality players that turned the culture around. Yeah, I think yeah, he played a huge part, and I, he walked with over a fifty percent winning career rate as a player, and especially going to the uh, to, to the Cowboys and trying turning them around. Really shows what type of player he was, and I think that like even by the looks of him, he must have been a hard trainer doing those little one percenters. Those are the things that turned the club around, and it's usually the player too. Well, it's not the biggest star signing. Will turns the club around. Yeah. With Coltrane, it turns out to be one of those workhorse players who come in the club and they just pick up the standard of training when they walk in. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for our top five locks. We'll be back in a sec with our top five bench players. Very interesting top five locks. A few disagreements, Matthew, but now the, uh, I think another one that's going to be very interesting is top, top five bench players. Because we could have gone anyway with this one. Well, hold, hold on just a second. We've got some breaking news here, as it always happens when we record. Runoff Tuamunga has re-signed with the Bulldogs. Terrific news. <laughs> He's been fantastic. <laughs> I'll just take you through the details now. Have you got it in front of you? It's just breaking. Why does everything break? It started to Q4 in the last... <laughs> earlier this year with that injury, remember? It's happened um, almost every week, but yeah, signed till the end of 2021. So another player to join DWZ and Lockie Lewis. Very signing. So they're getting those young boys sticking around. <laughs> it's fantastic. He's, oh, it just happens every week. I'm happy with that signing, though. Run off to a manga. I think he's going to be in for big things in his career. Uh, he's been dropped and came back again, and he's. This year, he's been fantastic with the interchange bench. Absolutely. Let's see if he appears on the bench plates. I guess they probably not, but at least it's a segue back to the bench. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's been a fantastic bench player this year. But he's not... <laughs> oh, he could be on mine, maybe. Oh, did you just give away something again? He could be on mine, I said. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's the way you, you said it, though. Okay, you, are you going to start? You going to start with the bench players? Or? That's what I was going to say. I'll start the bench players. This one's the, uh, difficult for a different reason. It's what you want on the bench, and it's there's obviously could have been up to four different positions on the bench if you wanted yeah. to. And I think it's uh, quickly we make the distinction that we're picking the top five bench players in our opinion of all time, not picking a bench <laughs> of five players. Thank um, you. In case, yes, in yes. Case, uh, some balance. Some people might point out the balance on the on the bench is a bit screwed one way or another. It's not an actual bench. It's just the best five players played. It's uh, quite a bit off the bench for our club. So my number five, I've gone to a player who brought instant impact on the field. I was very disappointed when he left. I went to Roy Azatazi. Oh, Roy. Um, it was disappointing when he left, wasn't it? When he was well, at his peak of his career, I, said, well, I think I've just reignited my depression of that news <laughs> when it happened. Oh, it was a big loss for us. So he's, he's done wonderful things at South as well for me. But um, yeah, Royce Tarzi, what a player. Yeah, yeah, he's played a, a lot of bench before he left to really get a dominant spot in South Sydney. And couldn't blame him for the money and the position. And again, he was one of the players that turned South around. Yeah, another a really hard worker. At number five, Scotty, I've got Adam Perry. Oh, Adam Perry in my top five hookers. I think he's made two lists of mine now. Yeah. <laughs> so Adam Perry, I've got him on the on the top five bench players. Uh, Luggity style hooker, very good defence. Uh, great partnership with Corey Hughes. That was such a good tandem them too. Yeah. Sometimes he started, other times Corey started. Usually Corey did, but there was times when Adam Perry started in the 04 season over Corey. It was just a good partnership between them. Go back and listen to the hooker, top five hookers episode for a bigger discussion on that. But we'll move yeah. on with uh, your number four. I've gone with a big body again, a fantastic 
play. He played a lot of, I reckon, his best football off the bench for the Bulldogs. I'm going with Sam Cassiano. All right. Azatazi and Cassiano. This was a bench. Wow. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> Scarily big. The impact's just instant. I know. Amazing. Did you know after 20, 20 minutes of killing your body against the starting props, Cassiano and uh, Azatazi come on. Oh, no. <laughs> but didn't he change the pace, big slam and Sam? When he yeah, came he on the field. He's probably the type of player that we're missing now. I think the type of player to a manga become uh, that impact player off the bench. Uh, Cassiano, what a player. Uh, number Does four. Just game time and push everyone over. Yeah, you're number four, sorry. That's all right. My number four, big, bustling Barry Ward. Oh, yes. Big, big, bustling. What a name, Big, bustling Barry Ward. It is Barry Ward for the big, bustling Barry Ward. Sound like a name to be scared of. Old, very old school type of prop, wasn't he? Yeah, old school type of prop. Uh, but I've whacked him there at number four on the bench. All right, well, I've gone with a number prop for number three. I think people have. I think people might have missed this prop, possibly playing on the bench. But he started his time at the Bulldogs on the bench. I thought he brought a different style of impact when he came on the field. I think it's more of a short passing at the line than anything else. Uh, his late footwork. I've gone with James Graham. James Graham, cool. Yeah, he played off the bench to start off the first year or so before taking a starting spot off Sam Cassiano. Then I think Sam Cassiano played his best football off the bench when he took Sam Cassiano's spot in the starting side. Yeah, you've got all props, haven't you? Yeah, I've got, I promise that finishes now. <laughs> there you go. So no more props on that list, perhaps. At number three, I've got a second roller, Steve Reardon. Steve Reardon. Makes me rethink my list when you've said the last two. <laughs> uh, yeah, Steve Reardon, what a... He had a number of second rollers at that point in time that he was playing, um, but he was quite consistent, Steve Reardon. So I'll jump into number two. I've gone with a player who made another top five list. In my top five list. He actually made number two in this list as well. Oh, um, there we go. Interesting. So he's made number two in both my top five, or the two he's turned up to. He came off the bench as an extra half, but he played a bit of hooker as well. I've gone with the uh, very famous Brent Shell in the number two. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Shifty. What what a legend of a player. Well, People I think... Talked, talked about him on a number of episodes, so uh, I won't say too much more, but... Uh, I, Great player. Justin, oh, sorry, I think he's just underrated off the bench as well. He yeah. put some impact on the, the field, like the additional half of the hooker as well, the speed to the game. Was it 2006, was it? When, um, I think 2006, 2000, I'm not sure. It was a year where he had a really bad off-season. And he came back and they dropped his reserve grade and he had a pretty poor start to the year and they whacked him in the, on the bench. We had a really poor game, and they gave him 25 minutes, and he won us the game off the bench. I, mean, I do remember a game in 2008 like that, when we had... Was it, it was like 2008, was it? Yeah. No, but I do remember... Um, I remember the off-season. I, just, I can't remember the actual year, years, like, the poor off-season, but I remember in 2008, when he was just about to leave the Bulldogs, he was going to Super League. And uh, it was the end of Steve Folks' time at the Bulldogs. Board. Weren't going too well. He was named at halfback, but they ended up starting Ben Roberts over him. I think Ben Roberts was named on the bench, and Daniel Holtos. Yeah, and Brent Sean came on with like, like you said, I think twenty five minutes left in the game, and I think it was some individual special, and it was just, I don't know, it was just, it was just one of those years. I don't know what the Bulldogs tried, and uh, they <laughs> the halves, and it was the end of Brent Sean's time at the club. Yeah, so sad era for me. Yeah, but I suppose I'm looking at something different with a different direction sometimes, and definitely that was the right one, but. They should never let go of Sherwood. Anyway, my number two, before we go down the rabbit hole, that is Shifty. Um, number two, Scotty, I've got Chris Arnott. Armpit. Armpit, yeah. What a... I think it was fantastic, but fantastic guy. Yeah, yeah he was very uh, hard-working, and uh, you just you knew what you are going to get from Chris Arnott. He's, which makes um, him a really good bench prop. He wasn't, think, um, he wasn't your impact, but he was the type of player that you have a good start, you throw him on if you maintain that. Yeah, maintain that working. Yeah, like, I'm correct if I'm wrong, I'm thinking he's into the landscaping business now. 
Cool. I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's what I've read about him, which is pretty cool. You know, I like when football players, you know, when they retire, doing something else. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It would be nice to see, uh, hear more about these ex-football players who are working elsewhere. All right. It's time to reveal the number ones. My number one's already been spoken about today in the lock list. I've liked him Will as a bench player for multiple reasons. That when he was in his younger days, he came off the bench. He was in the 2004 Grand Final winning team. Uh, he covered so many different positions as well. And he covered them really well, like I said before. My number one is Rennie Matua. Rennie Matua? Yeah. He, he, he was good off the bench uh, early 90s, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, but also, as a bench player, like, you know, sometimes you need that player who can play in the centres or in the halves as well. Just, it's yeah. nice to have that security. Who do we have? He's always coming in the back row. Who do we have? Him and Williams on the bench? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we were very lucky to have someone who could cover in the centres like both of them could. Both of them could cover in halves a little bit if had to. But one of the reasons I picked him at number one, he's able to cover multiple positions and then also his own position of second row lock. Okay. At number one, got a player that we've already talked about. He's a prop. He was a huge impact player. I've got Sam Cassiano. Oh, well, number one, I've got him down at number four. It's like the Frank Pritchard moment. <laughs> Maybe I just like Samoans. I don't know. <laughs> we could have the Samoan podcast. The top five Samoan Bulldogs of all time. Oh. <laughs> Interesting one. All right. I think that includes our top, top five for the bench. All right. It's Rugby League World time. Uh, what have we got for this week's Rugby League World, Scott? Well, how can we go past the the Tongan international team beating Australia at yeah. Eden Park in front of 25,000 people? I, th- I swear there's about 22,000 of them in the red and white. Uh, what, what a moment for the history of international rugby league. Is it the biggest upset of all time? Or is it the biggest result of all time? Maybe upset's not the right word, but I think it's, it's a, yes could be both. the biggest result of all time in rugby league. I think it's for both. I mean, you look at the game, and I said that I knew Tonga was going to be there to play. I, I thought it was going to be a close game, but you always thought, like, you know, the halves or the, the spine of Tonga is not quite up to scratch. And it but probably is with Lola Hare and Hopalati. Oh, they're fantastic. You probably still say them, still for the quality, they're. They're not up to. I mean, they're up to scratch, but it's just like you this thing with like you know Tedesco, Munster, Cherry Evans, Damian Cook. Yeah. You think that's a better a better spine, and it probably is a better spine. But just they came out to play from the get go. Remember Nick Kotcher getting whacked over the sideline, and I was like, here they are. That was very early on in the game when they put a kick up in the corner, and yep. Nick Kotcher went absolutely flying into touch. It was fantastic. Yeah, that, that was off the first. That was off five the first minutes. set. Yeah. First set? Or I just remember being early in the game. I think I it was the first then. set. Yeah. I just knew then. I was like, this is going to be a game. I was like, I did say, no, I said, Tottenham could win this. Yeah. They were going to win, but they, it was like, they're here to play. They were, they were ready for the fight. You kind of felt like watching, or heading into the game, or watching it, Tottenham would be really, really hard opponent. But Australia would come over the top in the last 20. And um, I think I felt that way all the way till the final siren. I'm like, Australia will win this. They're going to win it. And it's like two minutes left. They'll still win it. And then uh, it just didn't happen. Um, no. I didn't yeah. did feel like watching towards the end. I was like, this is going to be heartbreaking. I mean, especially when James Desk took that run. Yeah. I thought he was just going to slide through. It's... Um, it it's a weird one, though, isn't it? Like, we both, both uh, like, you know, we'll celebrate the Tongan win as a win for rugby league. Um, and we've always said it'd be good for the game. Australia doesn't win everything. But at the end of that game, I was like, oh, cool, Tonga won. And then I sort of sit there going, Australia lost. Yeah. It was a, it was a real weird um, sort of feeling, wasn't it? There's no excuses to be made. Tonga were the better team on the day. Um, Tonga beat Australia. And you can't take anything away from Tonga, not not even a little bit. Um, 
It was just like Australia lost. Yeah, it was. It was one of those things I, I was just thinking. I heard like the excuses, and you hear the headlines of, like Andrew Johns and Brett Fittler accusing a few players for not having their hard in the jersey and anything like that. But I think they're trying to take attention away from how good Tonga was. Like, sometimes when you play that good, you can make other people play that bad. I'm so glad that I don't watch Channel 9 anymore. No, I'll just like, look the headlines after the game. I don't watch Channel 9, I'll just... No, but what I'm saying is uh, I watch it on KO Sports uh, with the Fox Sports coverage, obviously. Watch the game, enjoyed the game, enjoyed the celebrations, and um, was happy with the broadcast. And nothing... Nothing bad was said about anybody. Yeah, that was, that's very played, true. Tonga played the better game. Um, they over, they beat Australia, and um, Actually, something, that Australia's, something that Australia's not used to. But how good is it for the international game? Uh, yeah, but you're spot on it wasn't until like two. Sorry, it wasn't until like two or three <laughs> days later. I started hearing this negativity from Johns and Fittler and stuff like this, and I'm just like. Man, if if I would be so disappointed if I was watching that on Channel 9, as soon as the game ended, I'm hearing that kind of crap. Yeah, so I think you're 100% spot on. When I was watching it, I did watch the KF Sports as well. Um, the coverage of the, I think, the people in the studio with Michaelis, Greg Alexander, and... Vonnie. Vonnie, yep. And then yeah. you had Warren Smith commentating with Blocker Roach and Brace and Asta. That's yeah. not the best commentating team, especially with... <laughs> And Nasta and Blocker Roach, they could go anywhere. But straight away, like, even I'm not a fan of those people, or the, those two particular commentators. They were, Warren Smith, I thought, was absolutely fantastic. He was in the moment of excitement. Yeah. Tonga. I thought he lifted the thing nicely. But uh, even Brayford Nasta was full of compliments. Uh, Blocker, they, there was some even comments how they said there was players not in the game, as in the sense of, like, you know, they haven't been seen or really heard of much, which is just fair commentary on the run. But like you said, Mark Lennon at the full time said basically all he said he's in shock. He said he's yeah. gobsmacked, shocked that Tonga actually won, and it was more praiseful of Tonga of the performance. And he said, I'm just shocked. I guess as an Australian, because I don't expect to lose those games, I'm in shock. And he goes, when was the last time we lost something like that? Was along the lines, I'm pretty sure it might be the extra direct quote. And so was Greg Alexander. It was full of praise to the Tonga yeah. team. Rightfully so. And it was more about the fact that they gobsmacked. The, jaw, the um, jaws hit the table. Yeah. That's what their one was like. And that's what I call good coverage. But to have Channel 9, people like Brad Fittler, I mean, you might like him as the origin coach. He's won back-to-back series. And Andrew Johns, it's always negative crap. Yeah. Like, I, I respect those two people as uh, judges of, of talent and coaches and that sort of thing. But it just wasn't the right time to talk about that stuff. And it's still not now the right time to talk about that stuff. That, the time for that's the start of next season. Yeah, you know, I right, think... Right now it's all about time. I think players did play poorly for Australia. But I think yeah. they also played poorly... Because Tonga were good. And yeah. they were that good. That's right. I All right. Some of them might have not lifted it. I just want to squeeze this into that. Sorry, not, might have not maybe lifted the game as much as Tonga did. But I think when someone dominates that well off the bat, like when they were there to play straight away being physical. Yeah. I they came back from that's what's throwing players off. Well. And that happens all the time when play, like in a game where a player has a, a poor game in the NRL game because they've been dominated yeah. by the opposite. Yeah. From the get-go, and Tonga, it's not because that player's a bad player. Tonga came, had to come back from the half-time deficit as well, and tall six to Australia at half-time, wasn't it? 16-12 full-time. Um, it was a great game to watch, though, wasn't it? Fantastic. How good was the singing in the crowd? But um, number topic number two, Scotty, uh, Sonny Bill Williams has signed the biggest contract in rugby history, and when I say rugby, I mean Eva Code ever. It sounds like two years for a whopping $10 million or pounds. We haven't really found out which it is yet, or Canadian dollars or whatever. But $10 million over two years. Crazy. What a retirement package for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and interesting enough, I had this thought myself uh, yesterday, but um, the Samoan team is talking about reaching out and trying to get him to represent Samoa next year. And also possibly at the World Cup. Has Sonny Bill got one more World Cup in him? I hope he does. I mean, 
I don't like to think what he's done for the Bulldogs, but it still hurts. Yeah. But just to have him in the World Cup and then play for also for Samoa. Yeah. As just the general good for the game, I think there's going to be part where for the good part of the game, I want him to be involved. He might go, if he does play in the next World Cup for whoever, um, he might have the record of most World Cups. He possibly could. I think he's played in three. World Cups without winning one. Well, uh, I meant, sorry, I meant um, across. Oh, League and Union. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I think he's played three Union World Cups. And I think he's played. She played two League World Cups? Or has he only played the one League World Cup? 2012. No, 2013. 2013, sorry, that was when I changed off the Olympic year. He, he wouldn't have played. 2008, did he? Not sure. No, he left then. Yeah. So before then, so he wouldn't have been able to do that one. I know. But yeah, three Union World Cups, two League World Cups, potentially for some <laughs> And a good retirement in this tech for him. And he's thought about that. that. That's unheard of in rugby league, isn't it? 10 million, 5 million a year? What is that? It's gonna be, he's going to be a good promotional thing for Toronto. Yeah, apparently uh, the news doesn't stop here. Toronto are searching for some more marquee players, apparently. So, Jeez. Well, this is a rule that I haven't heard of uh, until recently. Uh, this is interesting. that um, Super League have a rule in the salary cap that if you get a player from another sport that's never played rugby league at an elite level, they're completely off the salary cap for the first year. Oh, jeez. To bring in some possibly union or American football talent or even... That's right. American apparently, football. Apparently, that's what they're going after. One American football player and one union player that recently played for England at the World Cup Finals. So, they can get jeez. those players that could be pretty handy signings and not have them on a salary cap. They're using the salary cap rules to their advantage. And why wouldn't you? You've always got to try to look for to be one step ahead. Yeah, good on them. That's, that's what... The game needs up in that part of the world as well. Alrighty, we've got some uh, announcements. Yes, so announcement number one. We hit 150 followers on Instagram. Oh, nice. I think it's a nice figure. We hit it. Uh, we've only been on it recently. It's nothing too long. It's been since pretty much the podcast has been made. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, we've also got our videos for positioning players starting next week. Starting early next week to get the votes in. Exciting. Interesting so to see was, the new uh the new theme for for this 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 go. Yeah, it was a massive hit last year. It was a uh, very last minute actually put together last year. It was one of the things like, hey this will be cool. This year it looks like we're gonna take it to the next step, bigger and better. Uh so that's gonna be awesome. And there's gonna be plenty of more choices. Well, that's starting early next week, so that'll be starting before the release of our next podcast episode, so I had to drop it in now, and I will talk about it, and we'll talk about the vote tally on our next podcast episode, and that'll be running throughout the entire off-season, which is exciting, Um, and that's the two announcements I have. All right, cool. I think that's it for this week. Uh, Twitter at NRL Bulldogs fans, Instagram is NRL Bulldogs underscore fans, or send us an email at NRL Bulldogs dot fans at gmail dot com. Have a good week, everyone. Bye.